Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Monday, the 25th of July, and one white ball series, England South Africa, is over. Another one is about to begin. The treadmill, the England treadmill, rolls on. So we're going to talk today about what we've learned about England's one-day side so far in the last few few weeks, and also uh, look at some tremendous performances in county cricket as well, including that amazing Sam Northeast, 410 not out for Glamorgan. But I suppose, Simon, we should start with this is the week, or the week that's just gone, when Ben Stokes retired from ODI cricket, played his last ODI in Durham. What have we learnt so far? Well, it seems like the weather doesn't appreciate Ben Stokes' decision to retire from one-day international cricket because it was a blazing hot day at Durham uh, on his last day. And ever since then, it seemed to have rained and it, it sort of rather ruined the end of the one-day series uh, between South Africa and England. We'll come on to that in just a moment. But I'm going to start with a question for you, Yoz. What's the most cricket you played over a consecutive number of days? Because you used to play a sort of relentless schedule, didn't you, uh, back in the day? You'd play Championship match, Sunday League Championship match. What, what's the most you played in a particular uh, spell? Well, I suppose we do have to emphasise the fact that it was back in the day... <laughs> Uh, in about 1988, I played 30 days out of 31 in August. And that was because, as you rightly said, we played three-day cricket, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, with a Sunday league match wedged in between, which was often at a different venue, by the way. Mm. So the, I remember once you know, playing the Not- play Middlesex-Nottinghamshire at Lords, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday... And the Sunday league game between the te- the same two teams was 
scheduled at Trent Bridge. <laughs> so, you know, the same bunch of players travelling up and down the M1 just to oh, play a 40-over game. Madness. That's, that's so, absolute crackers, isn't it? And I think people at the Times... crackers. Yeah, people at the Times Generally, the, the fixture uh, organisers were quite sympathetic and managed to fit in, you know, a few days' gap with, with, with this sort of 16 or even sometimes 23-day games we had to play and all of the one-day cricket. So you'd get a you know four or five day break or a week sometimes break, but that particular August, for some reason, we literally had one day off, mm. and and it was, well, you're just almost sort of surviving on adrenaline, really. What, what was it like? Sort of, I mean, you obviously knew this schedule was sort of unfolding in front of you over over the course of August. So, so how did you feel, say, midway through? How did you feel at the end? It was uh, sort of. I think you just have to get on with it. It's a bit like I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who've mm. worked, you know, constantly at whatever coalface they're they're at, and have had to you know do seven day weeks and you know work late into the night and all that. I mean, people are doing that more and more. It seems actually yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I mean, obviously NHS staff, people mm. like that, uh, have to absolutely, absolutely you know, to the grindstone. So. Uh, you know, it's playing cricket, so I suppose it's not that bad. But it was pretty tough, actually. And in a way, the worst part was the travelling. Because, mm. you know, I remember once, um, for instance, in the, I think it was in this spell, actually, we finished a match at Headingley on the Friday, and we were in the field, and the match went right to the, to the end, six o'clock finish. Then we had to jump in the car Friday night, uh, in August, so a lot of sort of holiday traffic on a Friday night, and we had to travel to Hove. We got to Brighton at probably, I don't know, 11.30 at night, having had a whole day in the field, so you're really stiff when you get out of the car, uh, get into bed, and probably not sleep that well because of the driving, you know, sort of tailgating and all that, and then we got to Hove on Saturday morning, beautiful day, lost the toss, in the field again. Oh, my God, you know, that was tough. Um, so you just go through the motions in those situations and obviously don't give yeah. of your best, but you sort of get through it somehow. So the modern day players have, have never had it so good. Am I right? Or actually, you know, we, we're still on that treadmill, actually, and it, it, it does need to improve even more. There is still uh, too much. Cricket. The reason I say that, of course, is England are in this uh, schedule at the moment where they're playing you know, 12 matches in 25 days, which doesn't sound a huge amount if you, if you say it like that in a way. But, you know, there is the travelling, there is the preparation time. And there was that situation uh, last week where they went from Old Trafford on the, the Sunday against India. Really intense match against India serious decide a big crowd warm day in in Manchester and then the next day they're on on the road in the bus up to Newcastle you know which is sort of three hours and then you, you know they were then in the field on that roasting hot afternoon I mean, it was a punishing day I mean everyone you know everyone would experience it last week there were amazing temperatures and you know South Africa got 300 England couldn't get enough and, and, and lost the opening game and that you know it felt a bit flat and and, and and Josh Butler, you know, was saying beforehand, you know, it's poor scheduling, and he's he's been talking about it subsequently, saying you know there hasn't been enough time uh, to prepare for matches, and, and and that's probably fair enough, isn't it? I mean, there there used to be a, a regulation where you'd had two days between a one day international, but because of the scheduling this summer, but I presume because they had to fit that India Test match in, that you know there just isn't the wriggle room in the schedule. It's the hundred to come as well. It's it, it's a house of cards, isn't it? You, you know, you take one card. Uh, and it all just falls down, and you, you know, you've got to sort of keep on going. It's, it's, it's fairly relentless, and for someone like Butler, actually, he's been in the middle of that because he's been trying to galvanise 
this one day team he wants to sort of mold it in his own image and he you know he's not always had the players that he wants for one reason or another and it's you know it's actually been quite a frustrating time for him yeah it is a frustrating time and i think he finds it difficult as well because he's very meticulous in his preparation he likes to do everything a certain way and he likes to have time to to get ready physically and mentally for each game which is why Actually, I think why, for instance, in the IPL for the Rajasthan Rawls, he performed so well because he had the time to really prepare, think through how he was going to play in particular games, uh, analyse the opposition, work out the particular bowlers he's going to face and where he's going to hit the ball and so on. He likes that. that and without the travelling yards as well. Really without, the tra- without the travelling this <coughs> time round. And without the, the travelling, yeah. Scheduled. Well, yeah. particularly in the last IPL. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I think, I mean, you use the word intensity, and that is the difference between the play now and, you know, going back to my time. It is far more intense. Obviously, Mm. it's international cricket. There is a huge amount of analysis on it. You can't just, for instance, I mean, you know, when we went through those spells of 28 days in 31 or whatever, 30 days in 31... You know, there would there would be days when you put, probably did put your foot out on the boundary to stop the ball because you were too tired to bend down and it bounced off your foot and went over the line. Well, there's nobody no. filming that and putting it out on YouTube for you know a million people to laugh at. Uh, whereas now the contrast being anything you do that doesn't look too good just just gets poured over and repeated and you know it becomes embarrassing. Um, so microscopic attention on everything that's going on in the game. And also, the, the other thing I'd say is, is about preparation. The preparation is almost as hard sometimes as, as the, the playing of the game itself. Because, you know, I, I, can, I can remember um, you know, when Jonathan Trott was playing for England, he, he used to say, well, you know, I, I, I need to hit 200 balls before I can be ready to bat. And be more than that, mightn't it? Maybe more, yeah. And, um, you know, they become conditioned almost, it's almost an addiction preparation. Well, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with preparing properly for cricket, of course, because it's a very technical game and, you know, you do need to to be ready. And I don't proudly repeat the stories about, you know, my appearances in a NatWest (laughs) final where I turned up late because of the traffic and obviously because I was a late person anyway and didn't have a net. And actually bowled quite well in the final. You know that that's not to say that that's how you should behave. But I think sometimes people do become almost too reliant on preparation because that's what they've done, and they find it difficult to perform if they hadn't done the correct the correct amount of preparation. Mm. I think it depends on the individual, doesn't it? I think if you, you know, people have set a lot of um, store by their preparation that you know you, you don't feel mentally right if you if you go on yeah. the field without having done that and so it's different it's different things for different people isn't it uh, I think you know back in the day talking about that again you know Ian Botham for example um, he, I don't think he was, was he I don't think he was the most assiduous trainer of all time or, well, he had or a whatever that his yeah. his preparation before a game was have a bath mm. And and Inzaman, for example, I mean, often when fielding practice was going on, you'd, you'd be sitting in his chair, wouldn't you, on the outfield, watching it all happen. Inzaman will hack, and you know he was a he was a wonderful player. But obviously, you know, there were flaws in his game as well. He wasn't a particularly good runner between the wickets, for uh, for example. So okay, so we've had this you know, very intense schedule. That there's been a casualty. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about it actually because it, it it happened after our last podcast. I was actually um, uh, on my way up to Durham and I saw this this email from the ECB 
Oh goodness me, that that is yeah, that is a significant story. Ben Stokes last one day international tomorrow, and, I, and you sort of, you immediately think, well, you know, perhaps he's just going to duck out of one day, and he might just come back, and you know, for the World Cup next year. But I mean, it doesn't seem like that, does it? It does seem as though that is it um, uh, from Ben Stokes. What what was your reaction to it? And it, 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 does it when you actually sort of think it through, does it seem an entirely logical decision to take? Well, it does. Although actually, I was in, in some ways I was slightly surprised because. I think ODIs is his best format, other than tests. I think he's better in ODI cricket because he's you know, a guy who can build an innings or rebuild an innings. Obviously, he has a big impact in the field and with the ball. He can take wickets at key times, bowl five overs here and there. You know, So he's an invaluable one-day performer. Uh, clearly, the climax uh, for, for his career was that amazing World Cup final performance. Whereas actually in T20, he's actually not that good, I don't think. I think he's someone who, uh, well, I mean, actually, a couple of IPL recently, he's been quite insignificant. He hasn't been able to bowl effectively. And his batting, he, he takes a bit, of, he were, was taking a bit of time to get in and not, then not really capitalising. So in a way, of the white ball formats, I think ODIs are his better format. But of course, if you think about the future and T20... That's where, yeah. you know, that's where the the the, the dosh is, isn't it? The gold is in the hills, isn't it? And that's what, you know, the T20 gold is in them, their hills. That You know, you're not going to duck out of T20 cricket because that is the future. That, that's where, yeah. you know, there are future riches to be made. And, and, you know, not just, you know, commercial value as well and endorsements, all that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and I think it, it does signal, if we haven't seen it before, the... The, the, the kind of decline of 50 over cricket as a format, that doesn't mean that it won't still exist. I think that there will still be World Cups, 50 over World Cups in the future, but that doesn't necessarily mean, and Owen Morgan has been one of the people saying this, that you don't have to have a 50 over tournament, a domestic tournament, to get ready for 50 over, because 50 over is almost like just two lots of T20s, really. And the way really? England were playing. Are you sure about well, that? I, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but, it, it, you know, it, Owen Morgan's view was you pretty much bat in ODIs as if you're playing T20. And that, that there's, okay, there are times when you have to rebuild an innings or whatever, which you don't have the opportunity to do in T20, but. The, the openers uh, have this, a similar kind of uh, approach. You're looking to hit boundaries early on in the power play and, and be aggressive. Yeah. Um, obviously, in 50 over cricket, there's only four men on the boundary for the first 40 overs or the, that middle power play until the last 10 when you can have fifth, five men on the boundary. So even more encouragement to play big shots. So pretty much it is sort of T20 with, with you know just slightly scaling back your... Your, your ambitions to hit sixes all the time. So I don't think you need 50 over cricket. I actually quite like people's suggestion. And of course, this is another format. Uh, but 40 overs was well. And, you know, when I was talking earlier about the old schedules where we play three day cricket and 40 overs on a Sunday. 40 over cricket was brilliant because it was quite a good game. Uh, and yet it wasn't too long. It fitted into an afternoon. And the trouble, the trouble with 50 over cricket, it just takes forever, doesn't it? You know, you start at sort of 10, 30, 11, and you're still there at 6.30, it's a whole day. Whereas 40 overs slotted in beautifully to an afternoon. Yeah, one thing you have to think about, though, is the the paying public. I think what's interesting, or I found interesting over the last couple of weeks, going going around the country watching some of these matches, you, you turn up at the grounds and the grounds are full. You know, it's not like people are, 
saying, oh, I'm not really interested in this. It's not like, you know, like say that the Monday of a test match where the ground is a third full or anything like that. You know, the people turn up to, to watch because you do get the chance to see everyone, you know, everyone bat and bowl in that day's play or, you know, both teams. So you get all the, all the skills, all the players are on show over a concerted uh, length of time as well. It's not, you know, it's not just over in a, in a <laughs> two or three hours. It is, it is a real day out and people are getting, even at Durham. I mean, the incredible thing was at Durham on Tuesday, and that and searing heat. I mean, it was. I, I don't think I could have um, stuck it if I, you know, had a ticket and was sitting outside for the day. There's very little cover at, uh, at the riverside. People stuck at it. I mean, there were a few people who, who struggled, and there were a few people who they, they set up a cold room actually in one of the buildings. People could go and just cool down. Um, but generally speaking, looking around the ground, most of the seats were filled for, for all of the day. So you know, people are sort of very committed to going, and it's your chance, isn't it, in your local area to go to a game. There might be just one match in your area uh, that summer, and it's your, your chance to, to go along. It's a one-day international, and pe- you know, people have uh, turned up to watch. And you think of the passionate atmosphere there was at Old Trafford. Uh, last uh, Sunday, not yesterday, last Sunday week uh, for that India final against England. You know, it was a you know, big crowd in and, uh, you know, everyone was really committed to their team uh, winning the match. So that it's, that I don't think the paying public have fallen out of love with 50 over crickets. I think I think that's something to, to bear in mind. It's just perhaps the, I don't know, perhaps the players have. I don't know. They're so attuned to 2020 now and the 2020 leagues and, and you know, it's, it's the amount of cricket, isn't it? And I, I think a one-day international strikes me as being sort of one of, one of the, actually the most demanding forms of the game. Mm. You, you know, sometimes a day in the field in Test cricket can be tough, but you, you know, you you got those breaks, haven't you? After every two hours, at least you can get off the field. That one day or the other day, England were in the field for three hours fifty minutes. It's a lot. It's a long time to be out there. And it's intense as well. It's very intense. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps, it, perhaps, the, perhaps it's something the the. I don't know. The players are not so keen on. Although I heard Quinton de Kock talking uh, after yesterday's game, you know, saying the players still love fifty over cricket and they want, you know, they want to win World Cups and they're, you know, they're committed to doing so. And it's in the future tours program as well. You know, there's going to be. Uh, it's not as if there's going to be. It doesn't seem as if there's going to be less fifty over cricket in the future. It's going to be the same amount, if not even more, because you know, boards probably see that that as a way of of making money. I mean, I'm sure the ECB, you know, and the various grounds have made money in the last few weeks playing 50 over cricket because the grounds have been, you know, pretty full. So, you know, that, 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 so there's always that sort of bottom line. It, what it is probably is a, it's just about spacing things out a little bit more and giving players the, that preparation time. So you don't have game travel game as actually we've had twice, haven't we, in, in consecutive weekends because, um, you know, Old Trafford, Headingley this weekend, okay, that's not a huge journey, but then Old Trafford and then Durham uh, last weekend with just the one day, in between so it's it's about finding that balance of of in the schedule with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, y'all. So we're at the end of the one-day international summer. There are T20s to come. And is T20 all the way now for England until the World Cup? Uh, the schedule very briefly. They've got three matches against South Africa, seven matches against Pakistan in, in Pakistan, three matches against Australia in Australia before the T20 uh, World Cup, which is in October and November in Australia. And England don't play one day until bizarrely they've got a three-match series against Australia after the World Cup. Um, so that you know that's sort of fixture fulfilment. And then there's a couple of series next year that they've got to the sort of they've got to fulfill the fixtures from get, um, competitions that have been postponed uh, one in South Africa which we think is going to be in February and one against Bangladesh which we think is going to be in March so those are the one dayers for England in the future I'm Nothing feeling exhausted just listening to that list <laughs> I know well that's the problem isn't it that's the problem there's also test matches as well to fit in and that T20 World Cup as well anyway the point the bottom line is no more one days until after the T20 World Cup so and there, there is a, a one-day World Cup next year in India in, the, in autumn next year. So let's just focus on one-day international cricket for now. Leave T20 aside because the focus will come on to that as time goes on. Where, where is this England one-day side? It's in, in transition, no Stokes, new captain, uh, new coach, bowlers unfit, uh, bowlers coming into the side trying to make their way. Uh, how, how good is this England uh, one-day side now? Yeah, I mean, I think you sort of summed it up pretty well there. Obviously, they're missing key bowlers. Uh, The batting hasn't really fired, has it? Um, Jason Roy, for me, is a bit of a worry. Um, He's had a few injuries and uh, he's had some time out of the team for other reasons. Uh, He didn't perform particularly well. Uh, Three innings, in fact, three matches, only two innings. He made a 43, uh, but it generally hasn't looked quite himself this summer playing either T20 or ODIs he will come under pressure and it sounds sacrilegious to say it but there are young guns waiting in the wings uh, the likes of Phil Salt and so on um, Bairstow's still performing pretty well uh, obviously no output from Butler but we can write that off as just uh, being rushed into <laughs> Uh, trying to perform in too many games in too in too few days, uh, not right preparation, having to captain a, a new team and so on. I think uh, obviously the absence of, of Owen Morgan is massive, not just as captain, but also as someone who can just you know lead from the front. It's a terrible cliche, but he does. He 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 did. He he came into bat and he he was on message all the time it was very important that he that he stayed on message and played how he wanted the team to play completely sacrificed his own um, possibilities or you know averages or whatever just to play for the team and obviously performed brilliantly well in in many instances and they'll obviously miss stokes as well i mean stokes leaves a massive hole in that side uh, so it is a much weaker side than than it was uh, in 2019, with the uh, additional point of of missing the likes of Archer, Wokes, Wood, 
You know, those guys don't get uh, replaced immediately or, or easily. Um, they've put a big emphasis on left arm seam, haven't they? Mm. You know, Willie, is, is that coincidence, and, you think? think that's just coincidence? Uh, no, I, I don't think it is. I think it's always been viewed that left arm seam, if it's good, is is a, a harder type of bowling to hit for the average right-hander in short shorter formats because of the angle and because of the natural trajectories and so on, um, especially if they can bowl cutters as well, the one that spins away from the right-hander, like a little sort of almost a leg break from a left-arm spinner, um, if they can bowl that and, you know, maybe a back-of-the-hander as well, if they've got the variety, and in, in Reese Topley's case, he's also got the height as well, excessive height, which, again, makes a, a bowler much harder to, to get on top of on a on a sort of bouncy pitch. So I, I don't think there's coincidence, but I, I, I think David Willey is, is, is probably, you know, substituting for the absence of a Wood or an Archer. He's the next, be- next best alternative because he's so multi-purpose. Mm. He's one of the fittest players there is. He can obviously bat effectively and he bowls in different phases. So he's he's a very uh, adaptable cricketer, but I don't see him being in the front-line team. What do England need to do? Uh, they've got to find a, 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 an obvious uh, replacement for Stokes, ultimately, and get those bowlers back in, in shape, uh, ultimately. Otherwise, just don't see them competing for the finals again. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I can't see, at the moment, I think England might struggle in the next World Cup in India. It, just a reminder, it's another one of those round-robin competitions. So, 10 teams are, so, are going to so be playing So, just to clarify, again. we're talking about the 50-over World Cup now, The 50-over World Cup, 2023 yeah. in India, yeah. Yeah, just over just over a year's time, and it'll come around very quickly. And it's a ten-team tournament; everyone plays everyone, as in the last World Cup, and then the top four uh, go through to the semi-finals. I mean, one thing that you know will happen, I think, in in India, is some of the subcontinental teams will be drawn more into it. So teams like. Uh, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, I think, will be much more competitive in Indian conditions, and say perhaps they were in, in England, and and definitely Pakistan as well. So I, you know, I think the competition will be fierce, and and I think that will make it quite tough for for England. I'm quite a few of the England players now go play in the IPL, so they're sort of used to Indian conditions more, so that might that might help them. But yeah, the bowling just looks, I don't know, looks a, a bit thin. I wonder whether England need to find another spinner as well. I mean, they, they use Liam Livingston, don't they, as their sort of third spinner? Uh, Rashid is there, Moen Ali is there. You think those are the those are the two that are going to um, progress uh, to that competition? It looks to me actually. I thought one thing they did do as um, uh, Yoz, which was interesting, was that with with Ben Stokes going out of the side, they brought Phil Salt in, so they've Roy and Best. So Salt batting at three. So basically, you've got that sort of ultra aggressive top three. And then Joe Root, who wasn't number three, dropped down to number four. Which is so that there is a there is a tactical change there, isn't there? Which is that you know Root is not coming in, saving and losing early wicket in the power play. Root is not coming in. You got Phil Salt to come in in the power play, and to continue to take it on. So I thought that was an interesting uh, tactical change from England. But the, yeah, they just look. I think the batting is solid enough. I mean, just on Jason Roy. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of Jason Roy. I think he's he's one of those players you persevere with. You know, all players go through slumps. He's 32. Uh, he, you know, he has done it. Stick with him. I mean, they've done it with other players as well, haven't they? I mean, they've done it with Zach Crawley, for example, in the Test match team. Why not do it with uh, Jason Roy in the One Day International team or the or the White Ball team? So I I wouldn't look to change that 
at the moment. Not not at all. It's easy just to say, oh, now we've had enough of him. There are lots of other exciting players. If that continues, yeah, then you might want to, to have a look. And uh, actually, just on Zach Crawley, we should just pause for a moment because um, both of us um, picked up on that LBW decision he got in the Kent versus Warwickshire game, <laughs> didn't we? And, and um, yeah. now, at, the, at the moment... Um, you know, we're in this uh, Red Bull phase where uh, Kent have played a couple of uh, first-class matches up to uh, today, the 25th of July, and, and Crawley hasn't got any runs. Five and 35, 17 and 25. But he did get an LBW, a, I thought a really harsh LBW decision. Hannon Dolby well, won the decision again from the umpire when he was padding up in the in the championship match. And you, you said as well, not out, didn't you? I saw mm. you on Twitter saying, you know, he, OK, he played no shot. But I'm sure in a test match, you'd have reviewed that and it, and it had been shown not to be hitting the stumps. So, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that fine margin, isn't it? Um, but, he, but he still hasn't come up with many runs. It, it, it's worth noting. Yeah, uh, and I feel sorry for him, actually. I mean, he must have just thought, well, my, everything's against me at the moment when he was given LBW in that game. I was tempted to actually freeze it and draw red lines on the screen yeah, where yeah, the stumps yeah. were and prove that it wasn't out. But... Yeah. I didn't go that far, you know. Life's too short, but it, it, yeah, I, I feel yeah, I do feel for him, and I, I, I'm sure England will stick with him. But it would be good if he did get some runs somewhere before the South Africa Test start in three weeks' time. Yeah, so yeah, so that's that's Zach Crawley. Just a little aside there, but yeah, just going back to the England one day side. Yeah, they look. I mean, that, you know, they'll they'll be competitive, won't they? I mean, they'll be interesting to watch and exciting to watch, and they'll frustrate and they'll delight and excite because that's the nature of the of the way they play. But they just look a bit, I don't know, a bit thin at, at the moment. I think that they they do need a, a couple more a couple more bowlers. They just look a bit thin on the bowling side. And you know, we we we've said it many times. You said it many times. The the, the vital role that Liam Plunkett played in the in the rejuvenation of that England side. It, it cannot be underestimated. He was such an important uh, member of that team, and of course, someone like Archer as well, Wokeswood. I mean, they, you know, they're, they, they've sort of the batting is sort of similarish, isn't it? But the, the bowling has sort of had the heart ripped out of it, and you know, there are players competing and trying to find their way, but they're not quite the, the sort of the gun bowlers that England had in in white ball cricket. So, yeah, it, it, it might be hard, quite a hard road ahead. Uh, for Josh Butler, as he looks to sort of create a new era and sort of well, galvanise you know, the it, team, it always is when you're inheriting um, a, t- a winning team, a a World Cup winning team, and and the problem is, and it's it's the old line, isn't it? It's not as hard getting to the top as staying at the top, yeah. because firstly yeah. things change, the the, the team uh, gradually. Uh, peters away, lose players to injuries and retirement and so on. So that World Cup winning team has never played together since. But also, other countries catch up. And look at India. You know, they've seen how England played, how England approached that ODI format. And they've started to be more aggressive in the power play now. Other teams have, have bought into that philosophy as well. And other teams are catching up with England and have started to play that way and play it a bit better than than an injury and retirement ravaged England. Yeah, it's interesting actually watching South Africa play in this series. I mean, there were a couple of a real sort of mixed bag for them. But I thought they, at Durham, they played quite old school one day international cricket. And it was actually quite dull in, in a way. 
but mighty effective to get them up to that 330. They they knew that was you know a really competitive score, and it was a hot afternoon. Not, not much England in a way, not a lot England could do about it. The pitch was okay, and then it just got a bit grabby, and but it wasn't. I mean, they didn't hit a six, for example, in their innings. It feels almost unheard of now. And then, of course, you go to Old Trafford on Friday. They they seem to bowl well, and then they fell in a heap. You know, all all out for eighty. So I mean, they're they're a. Uh, I mean, they're quite a you know, talented side. They've got something about them. Actually, they've got a very good recent record in in T20. They've been excellent so far as, uh, in, you know, this year. So interesting to see how they get on against England o- over the next few days in in T20. And I note that India have gone to the West Indies, and you know it's not their full side, but not by any means. Um, and they've gone there and they've taken a 2-0 lead. A couple of in- very interesting games, actually, quite tight games that India have, have won. So they, I mean, they've gone such a... It seems to me they've got such a, a pool of talent, uh, India, that they, they, have, they have got players that can come in. You know, if someone was injured or whatever, if someone did decide to retire, you know, they've got players that could come in. And, yeah, they, well, we know that they're, they're a, a powerhouse. Listen, Yoz, what before we go, we should... Um, Talk about uh, Sam Northeast. What what was the highest individual score in a match that you can remember? You were involved in in your your championship days. Funnily enough, I I avoided by a few months the highest score of all time, five hundred and one. Brian Lara, yeah. who made that of course against Durham, nineteen ninety four, literally a few months after I'd retired. So how many would have got if you'd been playing? If you'd been playing, you'd got seven hundred. <laughs> six hundred. Yeah. No, not six. Seven. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so I, I narrowly avoided that. Uh, actual fact, I, I was lucky that I played in a, a, a Middlesex team which had a very good bowling attack most of the time. And you know, people will say, "Well, how are you part of it?" And sometimes I, just, I do wonder. But it was largely an international attack, so people didn't get big highs, big mm. hundreds, or big scores against us too often. Uh, the, the highest I can actually remember was. Uh, very early in my career, where actually Mike Brearley, so it's that, that long ago, Mike Brearley was captain, and he and he it was Richard Hadley was batting for knots and was actually a really decent mm. batsman, even though he was famous for his bowling, he could really belt it and and play a long innings, and he was about sixty not out, and knots were four down. And we were, you know, not looking too threatening with the ball, and and Brearley said to me. Who do you think should bowl? And I said, "Why are you asking me? I'm, you know, playing my fifth game or something." And he said, "Well, I, you're part of this team. I want you to, to to have a think about it and tell me who should bowl next. You're a very important part of the team, even though you've only just started." I said, "Gilly, you know, you're the England captain. Surely you should know." And that's what I thought to yeah. myself, even though I didn't really say it. Anyway, he said, "No, I want to know who do you think should bowl." So I said, "Okay, uh, I think Norman Cowens should have a bowl. He hasn't bowled for a while." So Brearley was like, okay. And I thought he would take absolutely no notice of it at all. But sure enough, two overs later, Cowens was introduced and reintroduced and bowled a a short spell. And, you know, obviously that made me feel absolutely amazing because the England captain had trusted my judgment and acted on it and actually put the person on who I'd suggested. Absolutely amazing feeling for me. Unfortunately... (laughs) Hadley went on to get about 190, <laughs> and we didn't take a wicket for another two hours. So, you know, it was a sort of double-edged sword. But that was probably one of the highest scores I can remember a, a player making. I don't remember a double-hundred against a, a Middlesex attack, which had 
you know, a fearsome fast bowler in Wayne Daniel for most of the time. Uh, some very good support fast bowlers, like I mentioned, Norman Cowns, and incredible spinners like uh, John Embry and Phil Edmonds, and then later Phil Tufnell. So, and Angus Fraser was in that mix too. So, you know, a very good attack who didn't let batsmen get big scores because actually the captains, Brearley and then later Gatting, were very good at manipulating their, their bowling attack to make sure that nobody got on top. Yeah. And and you, you yourself as well, Yoz, as well. You know, well that six hundred odd. What was it? Six hundred and sixty-six first-class wickets. Was that you, or was that someone else? No, I don't think it was as many as that. But it was probably in in all about seven fifty. But that's adding yeah, one day yeah. wickets together with the first. Class. So we're talking about Sam Northeast making four hundred and ten not out. And actually, it was it was fascinating on on Saturday lunchtime. You think four hundred and ten not out? He could break Brian Lara's record, but of course, and unfortunately, in a way for Sam Northeast, North Glamorgan were in the chance of winning the game, and they're also in the chance of winning promotion as well so they talked about it they talked about a declaration and they did declare and of course they won the game so you know it was utterly justified there was some there was a conversation about batting on for a bit longer to break the all-time sixth wicket record I think they needed 28 more runs to break the all-time record for a partnership for the sixth wicket in first class cricket and he needed close on another 100 runs to break uh, Brian Lara's uh, record I I, I listened to or read an interview with him um, where where he said, uh, you know, how are you going to celebrate? And he said, uh, well, I'm going, you know, I'm going to a barbecue and uh, you know, I'll have a few drinks and mates. And then it's what did he say? It's back to the grind of county cricket, uh, you know, which you know, it's all back. You know, it's the it's the sort of constant theme, isn't it? Really, um, you know, so much cricket being mm. played. Although I know actually, I don't know where Sam Northeast is going to return to play. Uh, cricket is he, he he hasn't played a white ball game for since 2019 and Glamorgan don't have another championship match until September they play four championship matches in September and I, I, I he's not part of the 100 team so um I don't mm. know whether where the weird yeah. isn't it I don't know well it's so weird it's it's uh, either feast or yeah. famine at the moment the the uh, the schedule isn't it I, 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 what an amazing yeah, achievement fantastic though, 410 yeah. You know, that's probably almost as many runs as I made in my entire career. And he's got it in one innings. I mean, it's fantastic effort. Only two scores higher in championship cricket, that Lara 501 and Archie McLaren way back in about 1920. Got 424 for Lancashire. So he's overtaken Graham Hick. I was playing not in that match when, when Hick made 405, but around that time. And, I mean, Hick was a phenomenal batsman who could pile up big scores and it's hard to imagine anyone beating that 405 but now it has been so an extraordinary achievement by Sam Northeast who I first met uh, he was in and out of the commentary box he, he was great friends with Mark Nicholas actually or his family were uh, from Harrow School and he used to be in and out of our commentary box for whatever reason sort of 15 10 15 years ago and I remember Mark at the time saying he's one to watch uh, he's he's a really talented player, and he never has quite got the opportunity. He's never had the opportunity, obviously, at playing international cricket. But he's always been somebody, a name on someone's lips, uh, a selector's thoughts. Never quite managed to string together enough performances to make a cast iron case for being included. One of those highly talented players who's perhaps missed the boat, but had a great day in the sun. Yeah, he's going to be thirty three. Uh, in October, so yeah, you'd probably say you know it, it's, it's time has gone. Although he is one of the rare players in first-class cricket, relatively rare, who averages over forty. Um, 
yes well it was it does help <laughs> it does 110 it does hour, yeah right? a bit of red ink and lots of runs it's, it's nudged his average over 40 now uh, yours i knew that i knew there was a 6-6 in your wicket taking uh, column it's 466 first class wickets not to be sniffed at and 272 uh, list day wickets as well so yeah so there we go that's your that was your final analysis I think that's just about it, isn't it, for this episode, uh, Yoz? We'll, we'll see where we go with England's uh, T20 side. And then it, it, the 100 starts, then it's back to Test cricket. And then it's off to Pakistan with the T20 side. And then it's the World Cup. And then it's England-Pakistan. And then it's England-New England, England Zealand. <laughs> it's, just, it's just amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's, there's been so much international cricket this summer yeah. already, hasn't yeah. there? It feels like we've had a whole does, summer. Yeah. And we've still got about two months to yeah. go. So. Good. I mean, that's it's great. It, it, it's hard for the players, but it's it's not bad for the, the spectators or the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back with a report on the next game. In fact, uh, I've got an, an interview coming up with a very interesting character, a former South African great. Will be our next podcast. I'll just titillate you with that little teaser, and we'll be back later in the week. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. At LASIK Plus, we know LASIK is a big decision, and every one of our patients is unique. That's why we customize your LASIK journey to you. I'm so busy right now. We offer a mix of convenient days and times, including 30-minute virtual appointments to fit your schedule. I would love it, but I have astigmatism. We treat thousands of patients with astigmatism every month with great outcomes. LASIK Plus is making your journey towards 2020 vision all about you. So visit MyLASIKOffer.com today to start your LASIK journey.